Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Before I moved to uh, California, I was living in New Jersey, and uh, I moved to New Jersey to work at a church, and uh, I was actually renting a room uh, from a family uh, for a, a little while there, and then uh, when I got married, um, I got an apartment and uh, began to move uh, all my things into this apartment, getting ready for uh, marriage. And I lived in this apartment for uh, a couple of years. And uh, so my wife and I, we were living in this apartment and uh, it was this giant, you know, kind of apartment complex, you know, hundreds of apartments and uh, lots of buildings. And so we lived in one of these apartment complexes and it was three stories tall. You had an apartment on the bottom floor. It was kind of like a half basement, if you know, like half of it's kind of beneath the ground, but there's windows kind of right at ground level. And so you have these apartments that are kind of partly underground and then you have the second floor and then you have the third floor. And uh, so we were living in this uh, third floor apartment and uh, so we, we had some great memories there. We had a Bible studies there at our home when we were there in the ministry in New Jersey and did a lot of things. And uh, one of the things that I always remember is, uh, you know, this is, uh, we're kind of near this wooded area and there's trees kind of everywhere. And right next to our building was this giant tree. And uh, it was uh, too, too tall and too close to our building, close enough that the squirrels would jump from the tree onto the roof. And uh, so every morning, hear these squirrels as they would land on the roof and they would run around, you know, and they would wake us up. Our bedrooms right on the landing spot, you know, and, you know, we'd wake up early in the morning because these squirrels would get out and looking for all the food or whatever, you know, and I remember all of these things and, you know, we, we had a lot of great memories from there. And one of the things about this complex was kind of on this big hillside and at the bottom of the hill and really kind of all along the side of the apartment complex was a park. And uh, at the bottom of the hill of the park was this pond and this track that uh, was around. It was uh, just a paved road, if you will. And people would run and ride their bikes, mostly run around this, uh, this pathway. And uh, so, uh, you know, I had gotten married and then uh, my brother got married and uh, my sister-in-law was a runner. And so for a little while, they were trying to get us into running and things like that. And so I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into running. And uh, there's this, you know, this uh, pathway down at the bottom of the hill. It's not that far. And so I would just walk down. And at the very bottom is this little kind of uh, area where you cross over and get into the park. And we, would, we would run around uh, in, the, uh, in the park and run around this pond. And so I, I would run. And, you know, I started to get at least where I thought and I felt you know what, I'm doing pretty good. You know, at first you're not really running that far. Uh, you're running maybe a half mile, a mile, you know, and then, you know, I started getting up there and, you know, started getting into three miles, four miles and five miles, you know, and uh, not exactly the fastest runner for sure, you know, but, you know, I'd spend, you know, maybe 45, 50, 55 minutes, you know, running uh, these miles around the, the pathway and things like that. Uh, and then uh, about seven years ago, seven and a half years ago, God moved me and my family here. And uh, so we moved here uh, into this area and really moved into an apartment not too far away from here. Uh, and so we moved. Uh, we had a, a newborn at the time and, uh, you know, just a lot of transitions in the ministry. And uh, I kind of fell out of running and uh, wasn't really running and at, at all, really wasn't exercising at all. And so I came over here and, you know, I was just kind of really busy and focused on ministry. And, uh, you know, I have this uh, newborn. 
and all the different changes and things like that. And I kind of, that was one of the things that kind of fell out of my routine. Uh, but you know, as it is, you know, every once in a while you realize, you know, I need to get in shape, you know, I need to work out, I need to do something. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to run again. And uh, so I woke up and I got on my shorts and I got on my, you know, running shoes and stuff like that. And uh, so I kind of, you know, I knew the neighborhood. So I was just going to kind of run around. I'm going to run over to this street and run across and run back and, you know, kind of run this loop. And I'll, I'll, you know, it's like half a mile or so for this loop. And uh, so I started running down. And, uh, you know, when I first start running, it feels great. I don't know if you're this way, but when you first get out there, it feels awesome, you know, you're out there, the, you can feel the breeze in your face and, uh, you know, you're, you know the, the heart is pumping and you're running out there. You feel great for about like 100 yards, for like a minute. You feel great. And then after a minute, you're like, oh, you know what? I remember why I stopped running, you know? It kind of hurts after a while. And so, I, you know, I, I, I came across the street and was starting to run back and now I don't just feel a little bit of pain, now everything hurts, you know? And if you haven't run for a while and you get started, you know, your side starts to hurt, your shins start to hurt, your lungs start to hurt, you know, everything starts to hurt. And uh, so, you know, I ran and I was expecting to be able to run at least a mile and I was like, you know, I don't know if I could even run a mile today, you know? So I actually stopped before I hit my mark of a mile. I came back in and I was like, you know, I, I, can't, I can't run a mile right now, you know? I might be able to walk and finish the rest of the way. Uh, but there's no way that I'm going to be able to run a mile, at least not right now. And when you're not running for a while, you know, it's, it's hard. You lose that endurance. You lose this Bible word that we're using, which is the word patience. The verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3 says, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. It's such a simple verse, such a simple-sounding verse, and yet... At the same time, it's also, it can't possibly just be that easy, right? Just don't be tired in well-doing. Well, that's easy for you to say, but my side hurts and my shins hurt and I'm running in this spiritual race. And, and Paul says, don't get tired, don't be weary in well-doing. And, and we know that we shouldn't be tired, but let's just be honest, we do. We do get tired. We do get weary sometimes. And I think that we all realize that endurance is not something that you just have. Endurance is something that is developed. Just like your physical endurance is developed, I think that we also see the biblical principle that our spiritual endurance is developed. If you stop running in the Christian race, you're going to lose that endurance. If you stop doing the things that build your endurance, you will lose that endurance. And the goal is not just to start the race. The goal is not just to be in the race. The goal is to finish the race. And finishing the race means we must run with patience. And so God is going to give us some tips and some keys and some tools that he is going to use in our lives to help us to develop our patience, to develop spiritual endurance. And I want to take a look at these four. The first of which I'm going to call pressure. Now you might be more familiar with the biblical word, which is the word tribulations. The word tribulation means pressure. It means to squash. You ever feel under pressure? <laughs> 
At work, you ever feel like you're under pressure? At home, you ever feel like you're under pressure? In your finances, you ever feel like you're under pressure? Maybe with your family, you feel like you're under pressure? You know, pressure is often uncomfortable. Pressure is often the thing that we look to escape from. We want to get out of pressure. We want the pressure to be over. We want the tribulation to end. But the Bible says that tribulation, or the word that we're using here, pressure, is what God uses to develop our patience. Romans chapter 5, verse number 3 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. We all want to be able to run with patience. We all want to be able to run with endurance. We all want to be able to run and finish our race. To finish the race requires patience. And how does God develop our patience? He develops it through tribulations. And what God desires of us in the tribulation is don't quit. Don't quit. The idea is that if you run and you just say, you know what, I'm hurting too much, just like I was running, you know what, I'm just going to quit. And just like me on that day when I quit, you know what, my endurance did not really develop that day. You know how you develop endurance? You got to push a little bit longer. You got to go a little bit farther. You got to stick with it a little bit longer and run a little bit farther. And the temptation is whenever we fall under pressure, the idea is that we might quit. We fall under some pressure in the ministry and, and we feel like there's too much pressure here. There's too much tribulation here. We want to escape from the pressure, but in doing so, we lose the opportunity to develop our patience, to be able to continue to run even farther than we've already been able to run. And maybe you've run into some health issues and maybe you've run into some financial issues and maybe you've run into some job issues and some coworker issues and you have some family issues, all sorts of different things. Yeah, uh, the temptation for many is that, you know what, I just want to get out of the pressure and instead of being faithful and deciding, you know what, this is what God's word says and I, there's a lot of pressure here to just to give in and to give out and just to say, you know what, let's just keep the peace. I'll just go along with everybody else instead of making a stand for God, if we would continue to make the stand and follow God, then God could use that to develop our patience. You know, what's interesting to me also about this verse is not just knowing that tribulation worketh patience, as it says. At the beginning of the verse, Paul says, we glory in tribulations also. I have this uh, old friend uh, that uh, we grew up in church together and uh, their family went to the same church as our family and uh, uh, I was more friends with, uh, with uh, this guy's older sister. We were about the same age. We were in the youth group together and things like that. Uh, he was a little bit younger than me, but you know, he was around the church and things like that. And uh, you know, we kind of lost touch, but I see him on social media from time to time, you know, as it is, you know, it's kind of nice to see old friends and kind of see what they're up to. And uh, he, was a, he was a pretty big guy already, you know, when he, when he grew up, you know, he's taller than me, bigger than me, and, and uh, his dad owned a, a, a lumber, like a trim company. Uh, you know, the chair rails and the baseboards and stuff like that, they would supply those to different companies. His dad owned a company like that. 
And uh, when he uh, got older, he began to work in uh, the warehouse there. And uh, so he would, you know, take all the pieces of wood out, you know, kind of wrap them together, put them in order together, and uh, just kind of ship it out. And, you know, he worked there for a little while. And so, you know, I could see he was already kind of a, he was kind of a big guy. And then I saw he really got into, like, weightlifting. You know, and uh, he got really into it. And the one that I remember was he set a personal record for the bench press uh, for himself. And uh, if you don't know what the bench press is, you know, uh, many of you know, but if you don't know what it is, uh, you're lying down on your back on a bench and you have this bar and on the end of the bar are all the weights. And uh, so a bench press is you take the bar, you pull it off, and then you lower it down to your chest and you push it back up. And, uh, you know, if you've never done that before, maybe, you know, even the bar itself is pretty heavy. That might be a little bit much for some. Uh, but, you know, you have the bar already and then you add some weights on, you know, and uh, when you hit certain milestones, you kind of feel good. Maybe you've never done that before and you get, you know, these 245 plates on on the end and, you know, you lift that up under 35 pounds, you feel good. Uh, maybe when you get to your body weight, you begin to feel really good. You know, I could bench press uh, my body weight, you know, you begin to feel good. And uh, he was kind of a big guy, but even I was surprised at the number for this personal record, which he was going for his personal record of bench pressing 405 pounds. And I was like, whoa, I didn't realize you were that big, you know? I mean, you see pictures and stuff like that, but you know, you can't really always tell everything, you know? And so I was like, 405 pounds, I gotta, I gotta watch this thing, you know? And uh, so he had this little video clip, obviously a friend was holding the phone, you know? And there's a bunch of guys all standing around, you know? There's, you know, I don't know if they were friends or just people that were also working out, but you know, when somebody is going for a personal record, you kind of hear about it, you know? They're psyching each other up, you got this, man, you got it, you know? I, these people are gathering around and there's a spotter there standing above the bar, you know, just in case, you know, he slips or is, isn't able to push it all the way up, you know, and, and so everybody's there, you know, and he's, you can see he's getting hyped up, you know, and he gets down under the bar, and, you know, and uh, I don't know why, but they always, you know, grunt and scream, you know, when they bring it down and push it back up and he got it back up and everybody's like yelling and screaming and, you know, they're pumped. But if you really think about it, Doing the bench press is just taking a bunch of weights, putting it on yourself, letting it down and pushing it back up. And uh, who wants to do that? This guy definitely wanted to do that. He was excited about it. He was excited that he was able to do more than he was able to do before. And when, when we see this verse of, we glory in tribulations, it sounds like a strange phrase. You're you're glad for tribulations? You're excited? You're, you want to tell other people? You would post this on your social media? That sounds a little odd. Until you make the comparison of what God, I believe, is trying to let us know about these guys that get into the gym and they're able to develop themselves physically and be able to do a little bit more. Because when you get under the bar and you begin to feel the pressure and you begin to push against the pressure, God, uh, physically we are used to grow our physical muscles. And I believe that God uses spiritual pressure in order to help us develop our spiritual muscles in order to, that we might grow stronger. Therefore, we can glory in tribulations. Why? Because we know that it'll make us stronger, that we'll be able to run farther. And so Paul says, not only also, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. 
boy, this bar is really heavy, but if I keep pushing, I'll be able to go even farther. I'll be able to run a little bit longer. The next verse says, and patience, experience. You know, a lot of people are looking for spiritual experience. And I'm not really quite a big fan of the word experience because God describes the Christian life as a relationship. In that relationship, of course, you have experiences, but we're not just looking for experiences. We're looking for an experience with God in a relationship. This word, he's talking about being able to look back and say, look at what God did. And a lot of people want to say, you know what, I want to see God work in my life. You know how God will work in your life? Through patience. You know how you develop patience? With tribulation. And so God gives these tribulations so that we might develop patience. Being developed in patience, you know what we get? We get experience. The Bible says, and experience hope. You know what God says? He says, you know what? If you endure through the tribulation, then you're going to get the experience. Look at what God did. And then when you run into another situation, you'll be able to say, you know what? I know God did it for me before, and I know that God will do it for me again. I don't know how God's going to do it this time, but I have hope that God will deliver me through because I have the experience that he did it for me in the past. And we develop the hope through experience, the experience through patience, and patience through tribulation. James chapter 1 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That's what tribulations do. Tribulations try our faith. Are we going to trust God when our finances are low? Are we going to trust God when we have a health difficulty? Are we going to trust God when we might get laid off from a job or when things are not going so well at home, when things are difficult? Are we going to continue to trust God? If we trust God, then we will develop patience. That patience gives us experience, which leads to hope. So the first tool or experience that we have that God uses to develop our patience is pressure. The second is what I'm going to call prospect, because we all need something to look forward to. We all need to have that hope that this isn't going to be forever. At the end of this run is a reward. We all need that hope, that prospect of something to look forward to. And every Christian needs that in their personal Christian life. They need something to look forward to, a goal, a reward, something in the future that they are aiming for. Even Jesus, we're here in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse number 2, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There was a joy that was set before Jesus, and Jesus endured the cross in order to receive the joy. And that's what God does for us. He sets the joy before us so that we might be able to endure the cross that we bear. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 36 says, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not. 
So God is going to return. Jesus is going to return. There is a promise of that. There is a reward that will come. And we are to continue to run our race with patience until Jesus comes again. Romans 15 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You know why we have the Bible? One of the major reasons why we have the Bible is so that we might learn from the experiences of others that we have something to look forward to. James said it this way, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. He says, look, here is an example of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So he says the, the Bible was given so that you might see the examples. And the example that was given is the example of Job. Now, who was Job? He was an Old Testament prophet. There's a book in the Bible, the name of Job. And Job was a well-off man. If you read in chapter number one, the Bible says he had 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household. Now, uh, he's talking in terms of uh, a currency that I'm not familiar with, you know? Uh, when, you, when you go to different countries, you have different currencies, and, uh, you know, you don't know how much things cost, you know? Is, uh, you know, you go to Japan, and uh, how much is 100, you know, 100 yen, or in Korea, one, you know, 1,001? Is that a lot? Is that a little? I don't really know. And here we have in Job, you know, 7,000 sheep. That seems like a lot to me. Uh, but to clarify exactly how much he had, the Bible says, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. He was the Jeff Bezos of his day, if you will. You know, the Bill Gates. You know, the wealth, you know, the Forbes, you know, wealthiest people alive, like Job is on this list, you know? And so he was obviously very well off. The book of Job begins in chapter 1 and chapter 2 with a very deep tribulation, though. He lost all of his wealth. He lost all of his children. He lost his health. The Bible says it was so bad that his wife just said, you should just curse God and die. And Job responded, but he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. What a great testimony. He was a righteous man. He was an upright man. He escheweth evil. And in all of this tribulation, he did not sin with his lips. Now, there's a long conversation that he has with his, uh, we call them Job's friends, uh, miserable comforters are ye, is what Job described his friends as, you know. Uh, maybe not the best friends in the world that'll stick with you through thick and thin, you know. But anyway, there's many, many chapters. And at the very end, God has a personal conversation with Job. But the very end of the book is the lesson to be learned. Job 42, verse number 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep. You know how many he had before? He had 7,000. He went from 7,000 to zero to 14,000. He had 6,000 camels. He started with 3,000, went down to zero, then it went up to 6,000. 1,000 yoke of oxen. At the beginning, he had 500. 
went to zero, and then it went up to a thousand, and a thousand she asses, and he had also seven sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the first Jemima, and the second he called, uh, the, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Hapuk, and in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Boy, the latter end of Job was more blessed than the beginning of Job. Uh, Job's life. His life, he was wealthy, he was the greatest of all the men of the East, and, and uh, he was upright and respected among the community and all of that, but after going through the tribulation, he was more blessed than before, and the Bible says, look at the lesson of Job, you might be going through a deep tribulation, but you never know what you might be missing out on if you do not finish that race with joy and continue through the tribulation. There might be an even greater blessing on the end if you would simply continue trusting the Lord. And so God will use the scriptures. God will use your experience to say, you know what? I know that this is a deep tribulation, but I want to develop some patience in you and promise that there is a blessing there at the end for you. The lesson is that God did it for Job and God could do it for you. James chapter one said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There's a wonderful blessing and reward at the other end of tribulation, but you've got to make it there. You've got to continue to trust God. Thirdly, we see what I'm going to call perspective. What do we need? What does God use in our lives to develop patience? We have this pressure, this tribulation, this hope of the future. Thirdly, though, we have this perspective. Uh, I don't know if you're runners or ever run. A lot of people have different uh, kind of habits uh, or uh, methods in which they run. Some people like to go to the gym. Uh, they like to run on the treadmill, and uh, I don't know how it is. Sometimes there's TVs up there. Sometimes you're just watching something or whatever. I prefer, when I run, I prefer to run outside. I like running around outside, either on a track or I run, you know, down the uh, street on the sidewalks and stuff. Uh, there's just something about the feeling of motion, you know, as you're running along, you see down at the very end of where you're going to go. I see that stop sign. When I get to that stop sign, then I can turn over, you know, you know, those kind of short term goals, if you will. And that, you know, that's kind of how I keep my mind occupied. If you're running around a lap, you know, you're always counting the number of laps that you're running, you know, and I got to make it around back again to the starting point. And then when you get there again, your next goal is to get back around again. And so I prefer running outside. That's my, that's my preference. And, and uh, one of the things uh, that people usually do when they run is they're listening to something. Right? If you ever see runners, they got headphones in and, and things like that. And a lot of people like to listen to music. I don't like listening to music when I run. I prefer listening to somebody that's talking, like a podcast. I often listen to preaching when I'm running. And uh, so that's, that's my preference when I run. And uh, it's 100% sure that if I do go running, I have to listen to something. The reason why I have to listen to something is if I'm not listening to something, you know what my brain is thinking about the whole time? Your legs hurt. You should stop. Your legs hurt. They should stop. 
you should stop. It's still hurting. In fact, it's hurting more. You could stop. You could stop any time now. I know you had a goal of 10 laps, but uh, you know, we're at lap number five. That's good enough, isn't it? And if I'm running and I'm not listening to something, all I could think about is how much it hurts and how nice it would feel if I would just stop and I would go back home, I would take a nice shower, get a nice cup of coffee, you know, sit down on the couch, all of that would be so great. So you know what I have to do? I have to distract myself in order to keep running. And a lot of times in the Christian race, as we're running and we go through tribulation and as we go through trials, you know, often where our mind begins to dwell, it begins to dwell on the tribulation, the pain, the suffering, the difficulty. And when you're going through a trial, when you're going through tough times, sometimes it's all you could think about. You wake up in the morning thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. When you're at work, you're thinking about it. When you're with your friends, you're thinking about it. When you're with your family, you're thinking about it. Even when you're watching TV or trying to distract yourself, you're thinking about it. And, and that's often the case. And, and uh, what God desires for us to do is to give us a different perspective and to think on something different. So Colossians chapter 1 says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. So God desires that we would run with patience and joy. How can we go through tribulations with joy? The very next sentence tells us that. Giving thanks. You know what God wants us to do to help us get our mind off the tribulation? Give thanks. It's easy for us to dwell on the problems. Let's dwell on the things that God has already given to us. The blessings of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the strengthening of God, the purpose of God, to be thankful. You know how we can stop complaining about the problem? Think on thankfulness. You know how we can stop thinking about uh, the temptation of stopping and slowing down and even quitting in the race? Thankfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You know what God says? Run your race with patience, having joy. Why? And how? Giving thanks that you can be saved. If we are saved, we can run this race of patience. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. You need to trust in Christ as your savior. You need to ask God for forgiveness of your sins. And that forgiveness only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the idea is that if we are in this race, you having been saved and you're going through a tribulation, you know what God wants us to do? Let's give thanks for being saved. Hey, let's give thanks that the end of the race is heaven and not hell. Hey, let's give thanks that God has given to us in eternity with him. Let's give thanks that God has promised us that there is a place that he's preparing and we will be with him where there is no sorrow, there are no tears, there is no death, there is no separation. That's where we're going because God died on the cross for our sins. 
we can be thankful for that. And whenever you're going through a tribulation, God says, don't forget where you're going. Don't forget what I've done for you. And the patient runner, the one who is able to finish his race is a thankful runner. The fourth and last thing that I want to draw to your attention is purpose. Because we will all run better when we know why we are running. And we'll all run further when we know why we are running. Everybody needs to have a purpose, a reason for why you are running. I found out recently that the world's largest annual charity uh, event is a race. And it's called the London Marathon. I didn't know this, that the world's largest charity event is a race. The London Marathon started in 1981, and since 1981, over 40 years, they have raised over a billion pounds, they don't use dollars there, a billion pounds for charity. And every year, thousands of people enter into this race. And thousands of people have raised money for charity. And from their website, this is what it says, that running for charity can give you a greater sense of purpose as you work through your training, especially if you're fundraising for a charity that's close to your heart. There's a page dedicated on the London Marathon website that answers the question, why run the London Marathon for charity? And they give a couple of different reasons. The first reason is you make a difference. Right? You run in a race and you're raising money for this charity and uh, maybe you're running for a certain you know, foundation. Uh, they're going to help some needy people maybe to do research on you know, some disease or something. You had a family member suffering through that. You know, all different sorts of things. You raise that money and it goes towards that foundation. It goes to the organization. It goes towards that research. You make a difference. The, the next reason is to say thank you. Raising money for charity helps real people and can change lives. So if you run for a cause that has helped you or a loved one in some way, you'll have a golden opportunity to give something back and show the charity how much you appreciate its help and support. It's a great way to say thank you. You know what? I'm so grateful what you did for me or what you did for my family member or a friend of mine. You know what? I want to do something. I'm going to raise this money as a way of kind of saying thank you. The next is to raise awareness. As well as raising money, running the London Marathon for charity can help raise awareness of its cause. Oh, you're, why are you running the London Marathon? Oh, I'm running for this uh, charity organization. And, you know, people might be, oh, okay, what is that? I've never heard of that before. You might be able to tell people about it. Lastly, it says to motivate yourself. Knowing that you're raising money for charity can give you an extra incentive to run the marathon. If you just run for the sake of it, you might start to doubt yourself and feel tempted to give up when the going gets tough. Knowing you're supporting a good cause could be the boost you need to get up and train in the cold, wet winter months. This is obviously London. This is not LA. You know, we don't really have the cold, wet winter months. You know, we've had some rain here, but you know, uh, but there in, uh, in, the, in the United Kingdom, you know, the winter months are tough. And, uh, you know, I read this website and I thought, you know what, there's a lot of parallels here about why are we running? We're running to make a difference. To make a difference for the cause of Christ. To make a difference in the lives of our fellow believers. To make a difference in the lives of those that are lost so that they might hear the gospel. 
We run to say thank you. We run because God has done so much for us. You know what? If God has called me to this race, I will do it because that is what God has done because of what God has done for me. We can run to raise awareness. You know, one of my favorite questions that people will ask me is, what are you doing this weekend? You know, I'll run into people, you know, my neighbors are different people, and uh, hey, you know, the weekend's coming up. What are you doing this weekend? And uh, I love that question because I get to answer it with, I'm going to church. <laughs> and I get, it's an opportunity for me to tell them, hey, you know what? I'm going to church. Here, let me give you this, you know? And if you're interested in going to church, you can come to my church too. And uh, we'll have a great time. We'll have a great opportunity uh, to uh, share the gospel, to uh, invite them out to the church. Uh, we can raise awareness. And lastly, to motivate ourselves, knowing why we're running will help us to continue to run our race. The Bible speaks of the purpose of our race, Luke chapter 8. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. There is fruit that God desires of us, and let us not run with, uh, let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There is a harvest that we are running for. What is the harvest? Paul tells us what his harvest was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it what are we running for? What is the reward? What is the purpose for which we are running? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. He said, I'm running for you. I'm running so that you, those that are lost would be saved and those that are saved would continue to run their race with patience. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. He says, don't you know that people who run in a race, they want to win that race. And he says, we got to run like we're running to win the race. To get the prize, and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. He says, I'm running for an incorruptible crown, the crown of souls that were lost and are now saved. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the eye. I'm not running, I'm not out here and thinking, what am I doing out here? I know why I'm running. But as I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You know, our theme for the year is running with patience. And God wants us to have patience. And God will use these tools to develop our patience. He'll bring these tribulations, allow them to come into our lives. And the temptation will be to escape, to run away from the tribulation so that the pressure will be eased. But God wants to use that to develop our patience so that we might have experience, so that we might have hope, knowing what we're running for, why we're running for it, and then also to be thankful that God has put us into this race.